I said, what is it that your parents aren't getting, your teachers aren't getting, the other therapists that you had, what are they not getting that they need to see, that they need to hear? You know, and it was that question that wasn't written down, that I wasn't reading from, and in that context that not only opened things up for this kid, but it allowed me to really break free and understand that connection is not about reading something off of a page, you know, and it's just about dropping down and being who you are. Hi guys, this podcast explores the importance of our connection, well-being and mental health. To reason with someone is to motivate them to do or accept topics, ideas and issues through discussion and having conversations. This podcast is for those that want to raise their awareness, change their perspective or just have a good time. My vision is to help people find reason to live, to grow, and to understand. I do that through this podcast, as well as counseling individuals that want to help themselves. No, no, no. No, he needs to know. I just think he's going to talk, and it's going to make a lot of sense. Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. One man. One podcast. Three, two, one. Reason With Me podcast, episode 11. It's time! Welcome to season three. Now, today I've got a guest on that is the first international guest. He's also probably one of the most inspirational people that I have that I that I follow quite religiously. And he's just an all-round, super genuine and super authentic guy. But before I get into that, um, today I just want to do a massive shout out to the Young Blood Men's Mental Health Vodcast. I, I was on there, lucky enough to be on there and talking about suicide and and how to just be able to talk about connection and and how to help somebody, whether you're a counselor, whether you're whether you're not a counselor, and just being able to be that person that can start a conversation. Today I'm wrapping one of their shirts and uh, it's super comfy and I super love it. So thanks so much. Uh, young blood, go check them out. They got some really cool, inspirational stories about people's life experience. So, all right, let's get into it. Guy McPherson has a PhD. He's a husband and a father of two, and he holds a doctorate in clinical psychology. He has spent the last several years studying the impact and the treatment of trauma and early psychosis. In 2014, while working in a clinic in Northern California, assessing and treating young individuals with early psychosis, Guy founded the Trauma Therapist Project with the goals of raising the awareness of the trauma and creating an educational and supportive community for new trauma workers. The Trauma Therapist Project has has now grown to include the Trauma Therapist podcast, now being listened to in more than 160 countries around the world, as well as Trauma Therapist 2.0, which is a membership community specifically dedicated to educating and inspiring trauma workers that are just starting out on their trauma-informed journey. Guy's focus currently is on creating a vibrant global community to support, educate, and inspire new trauma workers, as well as to upend the present way that trauma is taught at the graduate level. If you can tell in the interview that I get, I definitely am. I'm a
you know, having a good time talking with him. All right, Guy, welcome to the podcast. All right, Jackson. Thanks so much, man. Honored to be here. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm honored that you're here. You're the first uh, international guest and probably um, my man crush in terms of trauma, trauma <laughs> therapy. <laughs> nice. Um, nice. Appreciate that. Yeah. So um, as I sort of said before in, in the bio introducing you, um, you, you're running the, the Trauma Therapist podcast, which I think is probably the, the leading trauma therapy podcast in the world. Um, and I think that what I've been able to get from that has just been absolutely incredible and has really paved the way from, for me as a therapist and been so valuable and yeah, hit you up and was lucky enough to, to get some, some time with you today onto my podcast. I'm, I'm really, really stoked. Well, thanks for saying that. I, pre- I appreciate that. And, uh, that means a lot, you know, it, it really does. I'm, I'm, I mean, to hear that it's inspiring you or, you know, getting you going that, that, uh, makes me excited. So it makes me feel like I'm doing something right. (laughs) Well, you definitely are. And, um, I'll guess what we'll do is we'll get straight into it guy. And I want to know, and I guess my audience wants to know is who the hell are you and what do you, what is it that you do? Yeah. Well, good question. So, uh, who am I? So, um, you know, (laughs) Uh, Guy McPherson, um, you know, I have a a doctorate in clinical psychology, Um, I'm I'm married, I have two kids, and what do I do? I have a podcast, and I really, I think in short, what I do is I help get the word out about trauma and its prevalence and its uh, seriousness. Um, and I do that by interviewing therapists uh, of all kinds, whether they've you know written mega books or not, but people who are passionate about helping others who've been in, impacted by trauma. Um, and you know, from that podcast, I have courses. I have a membership site to help newer therapists get going. Um, and in a nutshell, that's what I do. And I can get into how it started because that's kind of significant too, but um, that's what, that's, that's in part in short what I do. Mm. Um, yeah, I really, I really like the, the, how it started. Maybe, maybe just share a little bit of that. That'd be really good. I think. <clears throat> yeah. So I had been, um, when I got out of graduate school, I started working in a clinic up here in Northern California and we were assessing and treating, uh, individuals between the ages of 12 and 25 who were showing early signs of psychosis and 99.9% of them had been impacted by trauma. Um, and part of our job was to take these calls, referral calls uh, from therapists and teachers and parents to see if their kid would be appropriate to come in for an assessment and possibly be treated. And we would be taking this, and I love doing these phone calls because there was a lot of investigative work involved. And, you know, we'd be talking to parents and they'd be telling us how their kid was blowing out at school, maybe isolating and uh, doing drugs or whatnot. And when we started asking about trauma and use that word, oftentimes it was no. But when you started using other words like, well, 
um, is there domestic violence in the house? Um, yeah, there is, you know, and well, have they um, gotten into any accidents? Uh, yeah, they have. So it was, it was very interesting. And what we would find out that not only were most of these kids or had these kids been impacted by trauma of various kinds, but oftentimes their parents didn't realize it and they didn't realize that well, listening or watching or being witness mm. to domestic violence could be traumatizing or being bullied could be traumatizing mm. or any other, any other uh, various things. And it got to the point where I was like, what the heck is going on? Something needs to be done here. And that's in part how I started the podcast. I had never <laughs> started a podcast before. I didn't know what the hell to do, but and I just started, you know, and I just started interviewing people and what unfolded was, was another avenue that we could potentially go down, but that's how it started. And of course, well, the other thing was, and this was kind of unconscious how, how much this played into it, but I had been bullied as a kid and that just <clears throat> jacked up the whole trajectory of my life, of my self-esteem, my self-confidence, how I showed up in relationships and so forth. Um, and how I got triggered when I was a therapist, you know? Um, so that was another thing that really wanted that, that kind of inspired me to want to do something and mm. to help. Mm. Yeah. I think the, yeah, that story. Is so, so awesome. Cause of the, the early psychosis, especially with, with younger, younger teens, um, you know, it's all about the presenting thing. Like this kid's in potential psychosis. That's what we need to figure out. And, and the journey of just that basic um, investigation or, or exploration, you're finding out these people, majority of them have experienced really traumatic, really difficult things that have happened in their life that sort of create the way that they present themselves. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's very easy to, you know, see a kid who uh, is just being explosive in school and to think they're what they have ADHD Mm. or Mm. they're not paying attention or they're, you know, uh, pissed off and mean and they can't do the work. But when you look under the surface, just like you're saying, oftentimes with not all the time, but oftentimes there's trauma to a varying degree. And of course, trauma is on a continuum. Um, but, and, and getting to that point and understanding that um, is invaluable for these, for, these, for these kids or these clients. Mm-hmm. And yes, trauma can cause uh, uh, these early psychosis uh, symptoms such as, you know, hearing voices or, or seeing shadows or unusual thoughts or unusual mm. behavior. Um, and it very much can, you know? Mm. So that's, that's a really challenging and difficult line of work that, that you're doing. And I think you're still in something quite similar at the moment in that role with psychosis. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 Oh, am I still in that role? Yeah, something similar. No, I, I stopped. I stopped that job about a year and a half ago, and I j- I'm been going with the podcast yeah, yeah. and the Trauma Therapist Project just full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's 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 different. I mean, now I'm bringing. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> you know, but but you know, this kind of gets into what you were talking about 
before we started recording, which was, you know, finding our true self and the importance of being that true self and all that, that kind of authenticity stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really gets to the point of where my strengths lie or where I feel they lie, you know? Okay. Um, but yeah, so. So that, that probably ties into my, my next question, Guy, is to do that, the work that you've been doing, um, you know, that's some, of, some of that intensive work, it, it's very, very challenging and it's, and it's, you know, confronting a lot of the time and, and I'm quite sad at the end of the day, kind, kind of you come across some really, really devastating clients and, and stories. So, and now you're doing that with, you know, four therapists and, and trying to get them ready for that. So where do you pull your strength from in order for you to do the work that you do? Well, yeah, I mean, it can be sad and oftentimes it is sad or was sad, but people get better. Yeah. You know, and as we would say, it's not always a straight trajectory uh, to the, to the moon with, with gold stars and rainbows. And it's oftentimes mm. you know, up and down, but we saw people getting better consistently who came, who did the work. And that to me is exciting. Mm. Um, and you know, where, what was your question? Where do I find the strength now to do that? You know, it's, it's, it's really, it's sharing in the humanity of, of all of us. I mean, I get excited talking to someone like you because you value and are excited by, you know, the truth and, and the, the, the kind of the authenticity and making that connection, that stuff excites me and being able to work with someone, whether, you know, it it was a client who was suffering from trauma and or early psychosis and being able to connect with them on a human level in on a real level and not on a level where I think I'm some, you know, a super knowledgeable person and I have this degree and I have all this experience and all that other BS, which is kind of what I did initially or not in a grandiose way, but just in a, you know, when I first started out, I was like, well, I'm a, I'm a therapist and I'm a, I have this degree and of course I should act this way. And of course I should know everything. But when I was able to get rid of that, and how I did that was another interesting thing. But how, when I was able to really be aware of that and, and get rid of that and just know that, that I was enough and I was able to make, make a connection with someone, that to me is mm. exciting. And yeah. a lot of that I learned on the podcast too. Um, and that's, that's it. That's what it's about for me. I mean, I get, I get excited sincerely talking to someone like you who loves doing this stuff. You know, that to me is exciting. Yeah. So you got me going, Jackson. Yeah, man. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm revving up. Sometimes I want to just jump into my computer all the time. Um, Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that energy. It's so, so good. And and you mentioned something. It said you you pulled a lot of that from uh, the podcast and the guests that you speak with. You speak with some of the the most incredible and probably, you know, the heroes in the field for me, you know, Pat Ogden, um, Janina Fisher, um, Bruce Perry. Peter Levine, like the list sort of just, just keeps going, man. And it's so cool. So no wonder you're getting like just gems flying at you left, right and center. I think that's incredible. So one thing that you talk about a lot on the podcast, I really want to want to focus down today is, is honoring 
who you are. Um, you write about that in some of your books as well, um, your eBooks online, um, about figuring that out and figuring out. And you mentioned it a little bit there. So I guess the crux of what I'm going to talk about today, guys, is I want you to reason with me and and talk to me about the importance of honoring who you are, of your true self, of your authentic self. And why is that so important when it comes down to our connection, our mental health and our well-being? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, super question. You know, when I, uh, as I said, when I got out of graduate school with my degree, and I think a lot of therapists feel this way, that you've gone to school, you have a degree, you come out, you got to, you know more than the average person in, this, in, in the field, in, in more than the average person, period, about psychology. You, that's what you've been studying. Okay. And when I got out and I got this job at that clinic, I felt that I needed to act a certain way and I needed to have all the answers. And what happens is, you know, when you're in a relationship, in a clinical relationship with someone, and you start to feel that way, or when I did, and I felt that way, I kind of felt like I was up here a little bit. Not, again, in a, in a braggadocious kind of way or in an obnoxious way, but in a way such that, well, I'm the therapist and I should know what's best for you. And, and that creates a certain dynamic mm. um, that is not very helpful and certainly not the foundation oftentimes for healing what happened was the uh, clinical director, this, who was a psychiatrist, amazing dude. And he said, as he was training us initially, he said, you know, if, you, if you're going to be doing this work and you want to work with, with these young kids, because a lot of them were like 17 and 18, you've got to be willing to take off your clinical hat. And when I heard this, I thought this guy was on crack. What do you mean take off my clinical hat? I just spent like, you know, umpteen hours, upteen years studying all this money. Why am I supposed to take off my clinical hat? And I didn't get what he meant, which was you've just got to be willing not to forget your knowledge, but to be yourself. And what happened, there was one example, and I wanna, if I can share this with you, I was working, I was doing an assessment with this one young kid, and I was working with a colleague of mine. And the assessment that we had a, read this the the clients was really 40 pages long and it was these questions and when i first started i was reading them very true to i don't know i just was it was felt very kind of stayed and uh wrote and very uh uber professional and it wasn't working it was just this one kid was not responding and I think I might've been like a year and a half or two years into my five years at this position. And I, Jackson, I had the, I had the assessment in my hand and I just put it down. I didn't like slam it. I just put it down and I laid back and I was just like, sh I shifted gears kind of unconsciously. <clears throat> and I said, all right, I forget. Let's call this, uh, this kid, Kyle, Kyle. I said, what is it? that your parents aren't getting, your teachers aren't getting, the other therapists that you had, what are they not getting that they need to see, that they need to hear? You know, and it was that question that wasn't written down, that I wasn't reading from, and in that context that 
not only opened things up for this kid, but it allowed me to really break free and understand that connection is not about reading something off of a page, you know, and it's just about dropping down and being who you are. Because I also, in, in, in a way, admitted not only to this kid, but to myself, that I didn't know what the heck was going on. I didn't know what the answer was. And that really, but, but also I trusted in who I was, that I could make a connection. And that's what it's about. Um, being able to trust that who we are with all my faults, with all my insecurities, with all my bullying and all the past that I've had, that I've worked through, right? With all that, that, that I can trust that I'm still enough to connect with you and, mm. and that matters. <clears throat> yeah. And that's not always easy because a lot of times, and I was guilty of this too, a lot of times we think that we have to have all the answers or we have to fix and help and heal. And of course, that's not always possible and to be okay with that. And to get to that point requires that we do, you know, a lot of that exploratory work on ourselves and on our story and our traumas. Mm. Sounds like that point in time guy was, was quite a significant one where you, you know, sort of dropped, dropped the, the clinical mask or whatever that you, that, that we wear when we first learn everything. And it sort of shifted that power imbalance, I guess. And that was probably a really pinnacle point in your career and, and in the, the journey so far. Definitely. Mm. Definitely. And what happened was when I started doing the podcast, Jackson, you know, early on, I had a list of questions and I really stuck to them. And one of the questions was, um, can you share one of your clinical errors and what you learned from it? And early on, I was interviewing a lot of seasoned therapists because that's where I wanted to go. And more often than not, in fact, not again, 99% of the time, these clinicians would share that it wasn't so much an error in, well, I forgot what page 22 of Bessel van der Kolk's book said, and I was going to implement that technique and that didn't work. It wasn't about that. It was about, they were sharing errors in kind of themselves being able to communicate or, or share who they were or just be themselves. Mm. And that really struck me because I thought it, I thought it was about, well, I've got to, know all this information, isn't that what's going to make me best, the, be, the best trauma therapist I could be? When in fact, what I was learning and what these other therapists were saying, that that's a part of it. But this other equally significant part is being able to communicate who you are and share that. Because especially when you're working with someone who's been impacted by trauma, who's been... Um, ripped from security and safety and trust and self-trust. They're thirsting for that in a way. And to be able to embody that and share that and to share your own vulnerability uh, is oftentimes very challenging and hard, but it's vital. Mm. And that was a wake-up call for me. Mm. That's so so empowering. I think so helpful for for so many people that would be listening that, uh, that I guess are, are therapists and, and that are just, um, you know, 
you know, not, not therapists and, and just looking at what that means for them um, and honoring, honoring the true self and sort of owning that. So, yeah, I guess, I guess what I want to hear a little bit more about guy is when obviously there's, 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 there's guy and then there's, you know, therapist guy and, um, you know, defining and, and determining the difference is a big, big walk of, of life. So I want, want to know a little more about like the, the, the guy's journey where it's like, yes, it's going to help you be become a better therapist, but what was honoring you and finding your true self and, and being becoming so genuine, what were the steps for that? Like, you know, I think you talk a little bit about <laughs> the sticky bits, the sticky bits of, of things. So really just want to hear like, what can, what can everyone do, you know, um, that helps and fosters that becoming? Yeah, that, that's, that's a good question. I mean, you know, for me, Jackson, it, it was a kind of circuitous journey. I mean, it w- was one that certainly wasn't straight and effortless and easy. Um, it was one that was, I mean, it's, it's still, it's, it's challenging. You know, when I got out of uh, high school, I went straight to um, uh, art college for a year. And then I dropped out and I played music for like 10 years. And then I wrote fiction for about six years. Um, and then I decided that I was going to become a physician because I wanted to really help people on a kind of cellular level and that didn't work out and I switched gears and I went to get my uh, doctorate in psychology and I've had a lot of these kind of starts and stops and failures if you will Um, and I've had to really deal with that and wrestle with that and come to terms with where my strengths are and not where I th- other people think they are or wanting to please other people. And it's kind of a classic cliched story almost, you know, where you, you walk down these paths because you think it's going to look good for, to other people. And I mean, here I am now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working full time with a podcast. I mean, I, I still struggle with defining what the heck I do, you know, but I love communicating with people like yourself and i i love uh like the questions you're answering are, are i think really really uh inspiring to me because the, we're talking about stuff at least to me that is to the core of what it's about when you're connecting with people mm. so it, it's you know and then honoring and being willing to explore my own traumas and and how the bullying has impacted me that was in and of itself a a journey that was difficult i mean when i first started the podcast i wasn't really that comfortable with talking about it and now here i am you know it's it's Mm. fine Mm. Mm. um so i don't know i i hope that answers in part some (laughs) your question well, it definitely, it definitely does, Guy. I think, I mean, you come across as, as so genuine and, and authentic. And um, I think, you, you know, that, that's definitely where I pull a lot of uh, inspiration from because, you know, it, it's, it's so clear when you talk. And I think, it's, you know, obviously there's the passion that sort of sings through and, and, and the things that you're talking about. But, um, you know, it's not just about, 
trauma therapy for you. It's about, you know, the passion lies in, in learning and cultivating that authenticity and genuineness because, you know, at the end of the day, you take away your job. That's, that's something you want to hold dear to yourself is that you want to know right. that you can honor yourself and, and be with yourself. I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree. And, you know, I've talked to people who are really accomplished in their field, in this, in this psychology or therapy field, who will say that that um, expression, that authenticity is what it's all about. That's where the healing happens. Mm. And... I thought to myself when I first was doing this and I was listening to that, I was like, well, what about all the books? What about all the conferences? What about all the workshops? Well, yes, that's important too, but it's this other, this connection on a, on a, on a human level, or as one of my guests, Manuela Mishka Reed says, the human beingness, being able to express that. Mm. Um, And, and initially I thought, well, but isn't that easy? Well, it's not because there's so many like filters that a lot of us have. And I certainly did. I remember when I was in my graduate school training and one of my first experiences with my supervisor, um, after my day, the day of seeing clients, I went to her and I was here. I was going to report and how the day went. And I was so frustrated you know, here I was, I was, I was going through, I think, level one of sensory motor psychotherapy and I was getting all this great information and I, you know, was learning stuff and I was so frustrated. And I said to her, I said, you know, they're not listening to me, the, the clients, you know, they're not listening to me. And she said, she stopped and she was like, what makes you think that they need to listen to you? And I was like, really taken aback. And she said, it's not about what you're basically shoving down their throat. You know, it's about that experience of, you know, and Daniel Siegel talks a lot, a lot about this, you know, the, re- the resonance and so forth when you're sitting across from someone. That to me, being able to, you know, when, you, when you're sitting with someone who is just in the moment, who is present, who is kind of emanating that contentment and I'm believe me I'm not saying that I'm some Zen master at all but when you're with that type of a person you feed off that energy you feel that energy and that is very healing and that's what I'm talking about here that's what a lot of the people certainly on my uh, podcast guests have have talked about that type of uh, settled in this, that type of vulnerability, that type of fearlessness and creativity comes from doing that type of work on yourself, right? Where you're developed that and cultivated that type of self-awareness, where you've looked at the, you know, the crap and your own traumas and worked through them. And I'm certainly not saying that they go away, but you come to a place where you've done that type of work. Mm. Um, that that's very powerful. Mm, mm. And it sort of stops impeding you. Um, the things that have happened and the things that you, you know, you come to the table with stop impeding your ability to be with somebody else. Right. 
Right. Because if, if, for example, if you're a therapist and you're working with someone who's been, been impacted by trauma and you haven't done your own work, you haven't looked at your own story, your own traumas, you will get triggered in session. And as one of my guests said, if you're in session with a client and you find yourself working on your own stuff, you're in the wrong room, right? In other words, you need to be in your own therapist's yeah. office. Yeah. That's not the place to be doing that type of work. Mm. Um, so, yeah, definitely. So it, it's so important to sort of start the process of letting go um, some of those things so that you're able to sort of step forward. And I think we do a lot of that with our clients as well. And, and do you think, it, do you think it works the same? Do you think, you think at the end of the day, it's just about being human and, and learning how to find that true self? Do you think it works the same? Um, in what sense? I'm not, I'm not sure of the question. In, in, in terms of, you know, like a therapist trying to, you know, become this way so they can be there for their clients. Is that, is that the same as the same process as it would be for just a human trying to be better in relationship? Without a doubt, without a doubt. And I think it's, it's, it gets very tricky because for therapists, a lot of it is, you know, needing certain information, needing to be knowledgeable in whatever specialization, whatever field they're in. Of course, that goes without saying. Mm. But oftentimes what gets lost is the importance of who you are and that self-confidence and trusting yourself and, mm. you know, and, and really getting clear on what you're doing this for. And how you well, you want to help. Well, that's great. What does that mean to you? You know, well, I want to fix things. And I want to, a lot of times therapists get into this field for great reasons, right? They want to help or cure or heal. Well, that has to be um, brought out in the open and unpacked. Because if it's not, if you're not clear on why you're in this field, uh, you're going to be bringing in a lot of direction and a lot of bias, uh, perhaps all well-meaning, into, into the room with your, with your clients. When in reality, all clients want, and as has been kind of attested to by that famous study, which I forget what it is, but they asked a lot of people, you know, what they remembered about their, about their, their therapist, and it was that they listened mm. to me, right? <laughs> that they, simple, simple. Um, so just being able to be and connect and to not feel the need to uh, kind of sh shift the momentum of the healing process mm. takes a lot of courage and guts and, 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 and awareness. And that just breathes, I think the healing foundation and allows that healing to come into the room. Mm. Yeah, that, that's so good, Guy. I think that you've said so much, so much valuable things so far. And it, yeah, I'm like, oh, which part am I going to focus on? The snippet <laughs> for everybody. I'm like, there's just so much. It's just so great. Um, we'll wind down just a tiny bit, Guy. Um, I get, I'm going to ask you two questions. I, I normally ask everyone the latter, but I'll ask you this one as an additional. Is... How do you, how do you, what are one of the things that you do that you, that you think really helps you cultivate authenticity? What is it that you practice? 
<laughs> well, I'll tell you, one of the things I do is I, I, I mean, I do the podcast and I'm ta- constantly talking to people uh, uh, about this topic. Um, so I'm constantly, it's, it's constantly in my awareness and not only that, but I'm, I'm constantly aware of my own actions. I mean, look, I've got two young kids five and 11 and there is no better kind of reflective mirror on how you're acting and being than having a kid. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I do. I'm, I'm, I'm trying con- on a consistent basis to be aware of my actions within this realm, within this topic. And believe me, like I said, I am no friggin' Zen master. I don't have this wired in, but but it is something I do work on. It's something I've learned uh, and and consistently am learning about and appreciate, you know, and value. That is exactly. I couldn't ask for a better answer. That's so good, guy. Um, and put you on the spot just a little bit. The the other thing, guy is. What is your non-negotiable? Awesome. What, are the, what are the main things that you do for self-care? I would say one of the things is just to take um, brief segments of time each day, you know, and literally, whether it be five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is, do that. Um, and exercise periodically throughout the week. Uh, I have to do that or, or I go nuts. Um, mm-hmm. Have, uh, you know, dedicated time with uh, my wife. And, and those things are non-negotiable, you know. Otherwise, it just gets too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so good to hear. I love... I love hearing people's answers on self-care because I think, you know, without that, we're, we're not able to do life. Um, whether we're a therapist or whether we're, whether we're just a person that's trying to get by in the, in our day, if we're not looking after ourselves and, you know, that's a big part about what we've been talking about is, is being genuine yeah. and finding the true self is, is getting that time for you. And I think, yeah, I really like those things. Hmm. So, Oh man, <laughs> that that's a really good question. Um, do you is this we're we talking a trauma book or anything? I'm, I'm talking that something that that um, that really inspires you and you get a lot out of, and I guess in the hope that that might um, serve somebody else. Well, I think that since we're talking about this this particular topic of of genuineness and authenticity, I'm going to say. Um, the book is Letters to a Young Poet by uh, Rilke, R-A-L-K-E. So he's a German poet, mm-hmm. French poet. I think he was German poet. But the book is Letters to a Young Poet. And it, it really inspires me because it's, it's, it's about this exact topic, which is being able to trust in who you are and, and, and finding your voice and being able to work through it, through the muck and through the mud and through the darkness and knowing that that muck and mud and darkness 
exists and will be there, but working despite that and in spite of that and, and moving into the lightness and the, and that, that sunlight in a sense, uh, that is something that really inspired me, you know, because it's, it's certainly been, it's been, it's been work. It's been, uh, and it still is to a certain degree challenging to be confident about my voice and, and what that means. So I would, I would say that book. Man, my add to cart is getting so big. <laughs> oh God. I think there's, there's a difference between, I say this uh, sometimes, there's a difference between um, two different hobbies, the hobby of buying books and the hobby of reading books. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh gosh. All right, guy. Thanks so much. I just, I guess where, where can people reach out to you? Where can people find you at the moment? Yeah, I think uh, just the Trauma, Trauma Thippers podcast, you know, traumatipperspodcast.com uh, would, would be the best place. And that's my website. People can contact me there, get the podcast there, get information on my courses and membership there, everything. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And I'll put all of that in, into my website and, and do all the links um, for, for you. Um, and yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to stop, man. I think we could talk all day, which is so good. Um, but yeah, honestly, it's been such a a real, real honor. And I sort of had goosebumps the whole time because uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of yours, guy. And yeah, I just, I really want to say thank you so much for being here. Well, you're welcome. And again, it was an honor coming on. I love what you're doing. Admire what you're doing, man. And it's so needed. So uh, it was my pleasure to be on here. Thank you. Do you want to find out more about how therapy can help you kick some goals? Go check out findreasontherapy.com.au or the Find Reason Therapy Instagram page.